Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Good evening. Who else is here? I have beautiful Stephen, and who else? I'm hoping I'm here. And beautiful hmm. Kelly. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is not on the call today. Um, I think Ellie will be on Saturday. Maybe I mean, it might just be us today, guys. It might just be us today. A trifecta. Fine, it's cool. Okay, <laughs> so uh, let's just uh, get to work. Um, we don't, uh, we might make it a quick uh, class tonight. Tonight's going to be mostly served as a review, uh, and we're going to talk about going forward and all that great stuff. And um, so, Kelly, why don't you pray us in? Yoki? We're just so grateful to be here tonight, grateful to have friends and teachers that we can join with to talk and share and learn and just support each other in whatever way you're to hear tonight. And just offering up any thoughts that there's any distractions or any concerns or anything else that could separate us from the present moment and we just commit and know that everything is in perfect divine order and that we are absolutely being taught and being led and moving forward in absolute perfection and so we just say thank you thank you and we allow it all to be and we share the blessings with all knowing that we're one with them and so it is Amen. How did she do, Stephen? She did awesome, of course. <laughs> That's the correct answer at uh, Inspire Spiritual Community. I know. I'm so happy to be virtually a part of this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, how, how did you like it? It was really great. Those, gosh, they were just so... <laughs> Wise. I mean, it was so, uh, it was inspiring, no pun intended. Wasn't it? Yeah, no kidding. So good. Okay, so um, let's just get to work. Let's dive into uh, Chapter 15. Yes? And um, of of, uh, Radical radical Forgiveness. forgiveness. Yeah. So let's... um, Read the assumptions. Uh, I'm going to read the kind of the forward before the, first, before the first assumption, and then we'll go um, me, then Stephen, then Kelly. That'll be the reading order, and we'll talk. We'll, all we're all we're going to read is just the assumptions, not the uh, not the kind of summary afterwards. We'll read the assumption and then we'll talk about it. And then we'll move on to the next one. Cool? Okay. All right. The assumptions listed in Chapter 2 were made briefly to give you just enough of an understanding of them to comprehend the theory of radical forgiveness. Now, I'd like to discuss in greater depth the assumptions underlining radical forgiveness that have not yet been comprehensively discussed. I hope this will help you find a level of comfort with them, even if you cannot entirely accept them. Remember, 
All theories are based upon assumptions, but not all assumptions are proven with evidence of their validity. This holds especially true for theories and assumptions pertaining to the nature of reality and spiritual issues. And I think that's a very important paragraph and an important mm-hmm. one to remember as we continue to go down this path and as you begin to teach more. Um, I think it's, it's a sign of real... Um, maturity in the teacher when uh, you can speak with authority based off of the things that you have experienced yourself as being true versus just regurgitating what you read in a book without any real experience. And that's where, you know, why, right off the bat we talked about spiritual sovereignty, which is discovering it for yourself, not taking somebody's word for it. Because a lot of spirituality, a lot of things that people say trigger hot words, you know, sort of like um, buzzwords, if you will, are just Mm. things that people say without any real comprehension of what they actually mean. You know, Jacob called me out on that once when I talked about enlightenment or awakening. He goes, well, what does that mean? And when I shared that, he's like, that's just shit you read in a book. You know, that's what you hope is going to happen, but you don't know. (laughs) You know? You're like, that's just what it's nice. It's what you hope is going to happen, but you actually don't know. And that's when he really, you know, that's when I really started to uh, challenge myself to get um, more clear, you know, mm. on what I knew to be true. So, okay. Uh, interestingly, science and mysticism have come to a new level of agreement about the nature of reality and other spiritual questions that until now have seemed beyond the reach of science. For centuries, Hindu mystics have claimed to possess a direct knowing of these universal truths, which they assert they have arrived at as a result of 40 years of meditating in Himalayan caves. By using rigorous scientific methods and theoretical constructs, scientists have recently arrived at the same truths, or should we say, have made similar assumptions. It is not safe to say that quantum physics actually demonstrates the truth of what the mystics have known for centuries. Okay, so like something like that, somebody, something, somebody, uh, uh, something that's written like that, it's not safe to say that quantum physics actually demonstrates the truth of what the mystics have known for centuries. Going forward, if anybody writes that in a paper or anything like that, you better have uh, articles, the articles that have made that claim. And I want to see it. I want, I want crystal clarity on what the fuck you're talking about and who said that and what studies were done and how did they come to that conclusion. You know what I mean? Um, and the other side of it is so often people that are doing spiritual, making spiritual claims, want the scientific proof. And why do you think that is? Is it? A, it's a. On some level, it's a, an egoic thing. Sure, I they want to. They want to. Uh, they want to seat at the big table. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be taken seriously. They don't want to. They don't want to feel like people are thinking that they're big, some sort of airy fairy shit. But that's where the ego really is. Is they don't want people to think that. Right. But really, if you're thinking of it in terms of seats at the table, which table is always has the most fun? 
<laughs> the kids' table. Exactly. There's a lot more joy expressed at the kids' table. Where Now where does all the drunken fighting happen? Mm, the big table. Exactly. It's now safe to say that quantum physics, blah, 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 blah. How exciting it is to see a joining of these two distinct ways of approaching and arriving at, at truth. Science and spirituality have come together at last, with scientists becoming modern-day mystics. Yet, in spite of the progress we have made, in all humility, we must continue to keep in mind that these assumptions, by their very nature, do not represent the whole truth. The great mysteries of how the universe works and of the higher purpose of human life still lie beyond mere mortal understanding, and the assumptions we make are mere approximations of what might be the truth. On this basis, therefore, the following assumptions are given as the foundation for radical forgiveness. First assumption. Contrary to most Western religious thought, we are not human beings having an occasional spiritual experience. Rather, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Okay? So, let's talk about that. What does that mean? Uh, well, it goes back to the that you need the physical experience to um, mend that separation, to experience all the things that you have created that separate you. Like you need a body to to feel that. You need a physical body to feel pain, to feel anger. Without it, you wouldn't feel those things. Is that true? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say yes, it is true because if I were not can in you the, absol- can you absolutely know that's true? Uh, this is no. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, this this is, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm giving you a hard time, of course, but at the same time, I think it's really important, and the and the more of this I do, like okay, and this is okay. I'm you know what I'm giving myself permission because I'm still working with this a little bit because it's gonna sound like I'm talking shit, and maybe I am a little bit, but anyways, Kelly and I were in the car today, and you know people send me stuff a lot to listen to, like recordings they did, interviews they did, and stuff like that, and I get it, and uh, one of our teachers. Um, sent us uh, a recording of some uh, uh, interview he did. And they were talking about, like, he goes, well, I'm a cultural architect. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean, a cultural architect? <laughs> like, You know what I mean? And we were listening to him, and we're like, Kelly and I were saying, we're like, we don't know what the hell he's even talking about anymore because he's using all of these, like, terms that, I mean, I guess if we sat down and we sort of, peeled off the layers we could get to an understanding of what he means by it. But at the same time, I'm like, you can't prove that's true, in, first of mm. all. And mm-hmm. it sounds great, but it also sounds like a bunch of, like, I'm a cultural architect sounds completely like a buzzword sort of thing. And that's right. all just that, aren't I so spiritual and great? You know, and listen, mm-hmm. I'm not questioning intention. I'm not even questioning integrity. I'm just pointing out that the efficacy of what you choose to say is important when you're a teacher. Because if you are teaching, then give people something that they can use. What is the motivation behind what you're saying? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What do you think, Kelly? 
I mean, well, I mean, the situation you're talking about, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it was so, it was like so easy to get totally confused on what was, I mean, just on the language. And it's so important, I think, to go back to, you know, what's, what's, yeah, I mean, sometimes we get, I mean, in that situation, it was just a vocabulary issue, but sometimes we get so caught up in, like, all the esoteric stuff and all the jargon that mm. it's not practical. And it's like, I don't care that you know a bunch of big words or that, you know, there's this whole big theory out there of how we got there. I think it's always a matter of coming back to, gosh darn it, how can we have a good day? How can we live in joy? How can we be more loving and just, you know, demonstrating that through our lives is what gives it validity when we say this is the way to live happier, this is the way to live loving, because people can see that and people can relate to that versus getting, you know, esoteric where I can't prove it, I don't know it, I don't live it, but gosh darn it, I'm going to try to say I'm really smart saying it, you know. So, Kelly... Spiritual beings having a human experience, what does that mean to you? If you were going to teach it, how would you teach it? Well, I think, I think the teaching behind it is that we're not these bodies, that we're not, that what's important and what's, what, what's eternal, for lack of a better word, is that we're spirit, that we're love, that we're, intended to be joyful beings. I think that's the important part of, you know, we're spirit. Well, I don't look like spirit. I don't feel like spirit a lot of the time. Mm. But how does that relate? Well, you know, if we say God is love and we're one with God, then that's, you know, we're love. Let's live that. Let's look like that. Let's act like that. This is a, a very mystic teaching, as in, um, you know, we're all one, and that oneness is love. That's the only truth of who we are. The bodies are a symbol. They're a symbol of separation. You know, they're a symbol mm. of what can never be. Um, however, here we are having this experience, right? So yeah, we might be spiritual beings. That might be the truth of the, the truth of our essence of who and what we are. But we are having a human experience. And along with that human experience, you know, I, I believe God's will for us, God is happiness. And God wills that we remember the truth of who we are. And so, it, you know, we're here having this human experience and we're here to enjoy it. Why not? Mm. Why not? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not a bad thing. And again, so, um, you know, contrary to most Western religious thought, we are not human beings having an occasional spiritual experience. Rather, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So the idea in most Western religious teachings is that we're separate from God. God is up in heaven, and we are down here. And, uh, you know, we are the product of original sin, and um, yada, yada, yada. So the idea of uh, that we're spiritual beings having a human experience is pretty much saying there's more going on here than what we think and what we can experience and what we feel, you know. But as we commit to living in love, more and more of what feels like our true essence is revealed to us, is ex- 
experienced. Yes? Yes. Okay. So it's saying, again, this is another assumption that we have to be willing to accept in order to practice radical forgiveness. Because we have to believe in eternity. We have to believe in the soul's journey. We have to believe in, we have to uh, be willing to believe in, you know, um, past life experiences, soul contracts, soul groups. All right. What's the next assumption, Stephen? We have, oh, my. We have physical bodies that die, but we are immortal. Yes. So, uh, thoughts on that? Um, I can't remember who I heard say it, but it was, um, they were sort of playing on, um, you know, one of the noble truths of Buddhism of life is suffering of where they tweaked it to say life is suffering because you attach your happiness to an external world that is always changing. And, um, you know, and I see this a lot in yoga too, of where of people that um, sort of throw themselves, you know, full force into their yoga practice and they go vegetarian and then, you know, then they find themselves surprised that they get sick and it's almost like they're doing those things because they think they can es- escape death like the physical death. And uh-huh. um, I don't know, I think that's, uh, you know, across the board, that's kind of a, I think for a lot of people, that's a hard concept to accept that because we do attach so much to these physical bodies, our experiences on it, that it's hard to see beyond that, that you what's actually at your core, at your center is immortal. And when this body withers and dies, you will just go on to whatever the next great adventure is. Yeah. Uh, next year, we're going to read one of my very favorite books um, called, well, what is it called, Kelly? The one on dying? Um, Testimony, oh, Testimony of Light. Yeah. Testimony of Light, which I feel like beautifully describes how we just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of keep going and keep going and keep evolving. And uh, what's wonderful to think about, too, is once we release our fear of death, then what's holding us back in this human experience? Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. All right. I know I, I used to always have not so much a fear of my own death, but, like, you know, the fear of death of, of those that I'm close to and that I love. And, you know, as I, you know, as my mother gets older and older and, you know, her body changes and she gets more feeble. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to miss her like on this plane, you know, talking to her every day. But I don't know. I had this, this calmness, like, but, you know, this is, it, it's what is. And want to be exciting to see what she gets to experience next. Yeah. Kelly, anything else? No, I'm good on that one. <laughs> All right, why don't you read the next assumption? Okay. So that's page... Ah. 193. It's, it's a ways. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where'd it go? 
While our bodies and our senses tell us we are separate individuals in truth, we are all one. We all individually vibrate as part of a single whole. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of this stuff <clears throat> is experiential, for one, and also, um, you know, as time continues to, I mean, as we continue to deepen our practice, we have a, we have a deeper understanding of what this means, but I think that it begins to, this assumption begins to reveal itself through synchronicity, through the experiences of, you know, thinking of someone and then they call you, through, um, you know, stuff that seems to be a coincidence, you know, but it's always the, you know, um, perfect unfoldment, stuff like that. Uh, any thoughts on uh, well, let's see we are not bodies we are not our personality selves or the roles that we play each day believing we are these things there's no further reinforce uh, things serves to reinforce our belief in separation upholding this belief prevents us until we awaken that is from remembering who we really are individual souls created as part of God and existing in oneness with God okay when we are all one with God, uh, when we were all one with God, we experimented with the thought that separation was possible. We became trapped in that thought, which became the dream that we now live. It is a dream because the separation did not actually happen. We only think it did. And that thought gave birth to the belief system we call the ego. Okay. We're going to actually skip through that one. Right. We're actually going to stop there with chapter 15. <clears throat> and I say that because I was talking with Kelly. You know, I chose to do radical forgiveness now in the second uh, quarter because um, thinking about our thoughts, I just wanted to give us a new tool that we could incorporate, that we could add to the toolkit that would support us in shifting the way we thought about past experiences, experiences that held resentment. But chapter 15, um, I think it goes into a little bit more of the mysticism that we're not, I'm not uh, uh, wanting to focus on quite yet. That's going to be more in the fifth quarter when we start working with the Course in Miracles because it's where it gets very mm. Course in Miracles heavy, uh, dense. So, uh, but with that said, um, what are the overarching Arching theme, overarching themes of radical forgiveness. If you were going to, um, so let's say uh, Kelly and Stephen, you guys are going to have a conversation, and just talk about 
let's say you're at lunch, you're at lunch and um, say, oh, my God, I'm reading this great book, Radical Forgiveness, and Kelly, you'll say, oh, my God, I just read it too. And then just take, let's say, no more than two minutes to have a conversation and talk about the main theme or themes of the book and begin. Ladies first. <laughs> well, I so. <laughs> That would exactly be how a conversation at lunch with Stephen would start, by the way. (laughs) You'll know soon enough. (laughs) So, anyway. I can't wait to have lunch with you, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um. You know, I really love the concept of, like, not blaming the other person and being mm. really into really gratitude. Um, but, you know, they're not out there to hurt me. Like, they're not trying to be mean and they're not trying to get me. But on a really deep level that, you know, I may not recognize immediately and, you know, hopefully get better on, they're actually my life to help me and to support me mm-hmm. and all the stuff to learn and to heal and to, you know, get through all that crap. And it's so great to be able to look at somebody and not be pissed off at them for, you know, whatever they did. Yeah. I like to, that it's, it's basically that everyone's playing the role that they were assigned, you know, on a soul level that, um, like you said, they want someone's not just a bad guy, um, but that it digs deeper than that to that shadows work of like, oh, okay, I always go for this guy because my shadow self believes that this is all I'm worth, and then you see that that person like was the best teacher of that lesson to you, and then you know you have that aha moment of like, oh my god, and then it's almost like you're you're able to kind of break that cycle a little bit. Like, you're going to do that not, like Michael says, just a little bit. Yeah, I love what you said about them being, like, the best teacher because that's, you know, everything works out for our good. And Mm -hmm. be able to, like, even, you know, not even beyond judging the person, but judging the circumstances, be able to, like, this is for my good. Well, and also I like that that it kind of it frees you a little bit of that thing of, of labeling, you know, a circumstance or an incident as, bad or wrong. It's like Byron like it's, it's, it's just something that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Be like, that'd be, that'd be like, I'm being Jesse's teacher's pet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? having to like, like, well, I mean, you first have to understand that there's an assumption. The assumption is X, Y, and Z. Just, uh, you know, just how would you, let's say that spiritual folks 
having a spiritual conversation. Everyone knows the lingo and language. How would you explain the radical forgiveness philosophy? Even you personally, Kelly. Um, huh. I think I would describe it as um, it's, you know, it's, it's very, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. Um, because you process a lot. Like, I mean, you really have to, it's a lot of inquiry. It's a lot of, um, of digging deep. It's, but ultimately it, it frees you from, it frees you from just something. Like, you know, I saw someone the other day that I had had so much beef and tension with, and then I saw them and I was just like, oh my God, like I'm actually genuinely happy to see you. And I, I made like a remark of like, it, it frees you from the, those ghosts of the past. Like, they, they just don't haunt you anymore. Because you've you've forgiven that person, that incident, whatever. Like you just see it differently. It completely changes your view on anything that's happened to you. That was way more than one sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let's see if Kelly can clean it up a little bit. But good, very good. And Kelly, uh, one sentence. I think radical forgiveness is accepting and embracing that it's all for your good. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Yeah, so radical forgiveness is the philosophy. If radical forgiveness is a belief that everything that happens has happened for you. Yes. Everything that you have experienced has happened for you. And that you know, if we were con- going to continue to say that everyone who appears to have been against you on a soul level was supporting you in healing a false belief about yourself. Everyone you thought were your enemies were actually your greatest teachers. Exactly. And that's the baseline philosophy of radical forgiveness. And what this is doing is it supports the belief. It supports the belief um, and uh, I think energizes it that um, everything, everything, everything is always, our greatest good is always unfolding before us. Our greatest good is always unfolding before us. And if anything else, Anything, if we take anything out of this practitioner program, it's that. Is that we too believe that our greatest good is always unfolding. Because from that standpoint, you are never a victim. Mm. It's impossible. And then you you live in a loving universe. Any other thoughts? What was your favorite part of the book or the teaching? Hmm. 
I, you know, I really, I, I still liked the that ego chapter of of dividing that ego into two roles, because I, I it, for me, it was like it it helped me to beat myself up less about stuff. How be able to identify? What well, to identify? Like, okay, this is the this is the enemy side of the ego telling you, you know, you can't do this or that's that's a dumb opinion. Don't say it. And then, you know, the, the ego as spiritual guide is like, well, why don't you read this? <laughs> and then, you know, I was like the, the ego as spiritual guide putting me in the right path of someone or something that gets me out of that, that headspace. Okay. So sweet angel, uh, the ego has nothing to do with that. The ego has nothing to do with that. That's your spiritual consciousness. That's your spiritual guidance. But you don't think that that's part of the, um, how does, I'm trying to think of how he exactly phrases it. The ego, what is, what is the ego? It's a false belief system. Exactly. That's all. It's not working. And listen, he's suggesting to have a relationship with it so it doesn't feel violent. You know, right. Well, right. That's what that I'm is, saying. That is showing you. That is showing you where you are holding on to false ideas and beliefs. It's a thought system of separation, right? Which is impossible. Mm-hmm. And in separation, when you're separate from love, there's anxiety and fear and worry and doubt and anger and rage and and annoyance and all that stuff. Right. So it's saying, you know, work as it's, it's so you can work with it as your friend in the, in the sense of, oh, feeling triggered. Right. So they activate it. But right. it's not ever, Go ahead. I mean, A Course in Miracles, which this teaching is based off of, says that the ego is suspicious at best and vicious at worst. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that this is something I do 24-7, but, you know, if I find myself in a situation, which I find myself in less and less, and I think I shared that a few weeks ago of where, like, since doing this stuff, I feel like I attract less of these situations or whatever. But there's, like, there's the one page, it's uh, 93, um, where he, it's this, the first paragraph of the ego as a loving guide. And it's this line specifically that just kind of like spoke out to me. It's role is to provide opportunities in our lifetime that will fully test our ability to full, to fulfill this mission that we carefully planned before we incarnated. So it's just one of those things of like, when I, when something like that comes up, I might have that moment of, you know, wavering, but then I'm like, okay, this is happening for some reason that is for my greater good. I will know what that is at some point. And I'm able, you know what I mean? So it's not like... You know, honey, I'm going to be honest. And this is just because it's us three on the call tonight. And uh, we can get a little extra support. I'm not sure what you mean. You're not being being super clear. And uh, part of this is to support you in getting super clear, or at least being able to share it in a clear way. So uh, I'm not not 100% sure what you mean by by that. So can can you share a little more? Well, I mean, if, um, you know, we assisted uh, a few weeks ago with some of the Brian, uh, Byron Katie stuff of the situation at work, of having that moment of being resentful of 
not showing up, of not having a good attitude. But then processing that work, I, I realized, okay, this happened, this situation happened so that I could see I was not showing up. I did not have a good attitude. I wasn't being clear in this direction. So it was, it's just that idea of assigning maybe just for that moment of, okay, the, this led me into that situation so that I could address that issue of when am I not saying what's expected in the situation? Does that help at all? Yeah, I feel like it's getting a little more clear. So phrase it like this. My ego supported me in this way. And let's use this example because we're all familiar with it. My ego supported me in this way. I'm sorry, you kind of broke up a little bit there. I'm sorry. uh, Use the example of um, your work situation that you used a couple weeks ago. Um, my ego put me in the situation to where I would be called out on not giving someone clarity and the proper tools they needed to perform a job, showing me that I was not showing up in that situation or for that, that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I'm I, I'm I'm sitting with it, uh, and I'm asking for clarity because I feel like we're on the edge of clarity. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> give, me, give, give me one second. Yeah. Uh, can I hop in, Jeff? Yeah, for sure. Well, I was just say to me, and this is where an area where I got a little was a little frustrating for me with the book, um, because I didn't always agree with them. When he addressed ego, he kept duly addressing it, meaning he would talk about, like, you know, the ACIM version of ego being we personified, you know, the separation and it's, you know, that whole thing. And then he'd flip in the next, you know, the very next, you know, section and be like, oh, and let me talk about the ego as a friend. And I think that's what... And, and then on the ego as a friend part, he didn't really address it as being a thought system. He did personify it a lot more. And I think that's where Steven's talking about more um, of taking that perception. But I don't, you know, I, I didn't agree with that section. But that's, I think that's, I think he's kind of accurately reflecting what I saw in terms of tipping talking about the ego as friend. Yeah, no. I remember a few years ago, God, it has to be like three or four years ago now, I was in class with Jennifer and Shan, who was Jennifer's friend, helped us teach classes. And I was like, well, why should we, I'm mean, like, if everything is designed for our greatest good, then why should we resent the ego or be afraid of the ego or try to release it? I mean, it feels like we should develop a friendship with it because it's showing us where we are energizing separation, Right. And I sat with that, and I really liked that idea. And I think that the invitation um, that Colin is offering is just having a less of a 
um, judgmental or fearful relationship of the ego so we can just enjoy the experience of the healing process a little bit more. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. I understand right. because, like, some people, you know, take, get a real serious about this stuff, you know, and it doesn't exactly elicit more joy, which is the purpose of everything, right? Right. So he's sort of saying in that context, like, we can be grateful for the ego because it's showing us where we are energizing separation, you know? And I definitely agree with that in the sense of when I feel ups and upset, I'm grateful because I know that I'm believing something that isn't true. I get that I'm not feeling loving, so what am I believing? You know, I'm feeling annoyed. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling this. Okay, great. Something's up for healing. How do I know that? Because my greatest good is always unfolding. And so if that's and everything is designed to support me in awakening to my true nature, then, yeah, you know what? Great. I'm grateful for that because I'm grateful for this feeling of irritation, aggravation, because it's showing me where there needs to be a shift in perception. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But, again, it's just, you can also say, oh, I'm believing something that isn't true. Oh, I'm using the ego thought system. You know, and a lot of times, like we talked about this yesterday in our Course in Miracles conversation in our Course in Miracles study group, is that, um, God, I totally lost it. Hold on, we were just talking about this separation, grateful for that. Everything is for my greatest good. Everything, everything is. Oh, okay. So everything that happens to us, everything that happens to us, no matter what, no matter what we experience is designed to support us. There's an opportunity in every moment to remember that we are loved. And so the ego, we can use the ego as a guide, a loving guide if we choose. Like, thanks, ego, for showing me that I, uh, you know, I'm really feeling irritated. Like, earlier today, I was telling Kelly, we were listening to this thing. I was like, listen, I'm in total judgment here. But I'm, I want to say this and this and this and just know that I'm absolutely in judgment and I acknowledge it, but I just want to get it out. You know, but thanks, ego. I can tell that I'm not aligned with love because, I don't feel good. I'm not celebrating somebody's success. I'm judging. Right, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at. (laughs) Like, if that's what I I see, like, Uh when those things come up of like, okay, this is another area where I am not seeing this person in love. I am not seeing this situation with love. So that's that's kind of what I meant. Beautiful. So, good. I'm glad that's what you meant. So now, share it again with a little more clarity now that we, now that you're a little more clear with it. So how could you share that story? Cause it's a great story. It's a great example. Now, how can you share that with sort of the clarity that you have now? Can I take a minute? Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, like you were about. I was just going to share well, while you were thinking about it. I was just going to share, you know, Jacob really encourages people to give 
that voice, that self-deprecating voice that we call ego, that thought system, a playful personality, a playful character. So you can play with it more, you know. So if it's like your crazy Aunt Flo, you know, and every time, like, subscribe a voice to it, like, you know, every yeah. time, you're like, oh, okay, thanks, Aunt Flo, I know. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm too fat. Well, it was like when I... Re- when I read, um, and I'm completely blanking, the Eckhart Tolle book uh, several years ago, not Power of Now, but the other one. Um, New Earth. Con- yes. Um, you know, he had that whole thing about naming the pain body, so I was reading that with my roommate at the time. And so I, named, I don't know why, but mine came up as Sam, and he named his Frida. So Sam, like I always know when Sam is just kind of being a little mischievous and putting me, you know, taking me through a door that's going to, you know, introduce me to someone that's going to show me something. So my ego, I feel like it, my ego always puts me, often puts me in a, a place or in a circumstance to show me what my, my higher good is. No. No. That's a, mis, that's a misperception. That's your spiritual consciousness. Your spiritual consciousness will put you, will lead you to a place in which you have the opportunity to do that. Your ego will tell you when you're there that this is all wrong, they're wrong, you're wrong, whatever. But the spirit, the, the ego doesn't guide you anywhere. No. Says, but, what it, but, but hold on, let me finish this thought, because this, this is the important distinction, is the ego doesn't guide you anywhere for your greatest good. Okay, the ego doesn't guide you anywhere for your greatest good. The ego is, the, the purpose of the ego is to keep you in the belief that you are separated, period. Now, making friends with the ego is like saying, like, okay, I get that you're trying to make me feel separated here, but I'm not willing to do that. Now, I trust that my higher self has put me per- perfectly in this situation. My spiritual consciousness, my subconscious mind, my loving part, the Holy Spirit has guided me here. But the ego is never guiding you anywhere for your greatest good. Does that make sense? It's not interested in that. It does, but but again, I'm going on what's presented by, by Colin of, of using the ego as a guy, as a loving guide versus always using it as an enemy. But a, you know what I mean? God, but a loving guide that is showing you where there's separation is not taking you somewhere. It's not lovingly guiding you by the hand to a place so you can heal. The ego does it. It, it won't. It won't do that. That's not what it is. The ego is identified. It, it could also be known. You could also call it your human eye versus the spiritual eye. It's interested okay. in your body and taking care of your body and keeping you identified as body. But there's a part where he writes, so our ego gives us the opportunity to embody these feelings by creating experiences like abandonment, betrayal, abuse, rejection, divorce, etc. Yeah, I was going to say, and I totally agree with you, Jesse, on what you're saying, but I think tipping does present the other side of what Stephen's saying of like, oh, no, ego does move you into a space of, these things so you can heal. I, well, I don't agree with him yeah. on that, but I think he does present both. Well, the ego creates separation experiences. 
and he, I think that what he's suggesting, and maybe he sh- he could be more clear about it, because what he goes into later, it completely contradicts that notion that he presents 100% in his right. later writings, is he creates, the ego does create those experiences of separation. The ego creates it, but I don't feel like it lovingly guides you to it. The ego creates those experiences. Well, now, I don't think I said it lovingly guides, but... Well, no. I'm actually on the page where he says the ego as a loving guide. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he presents it. I don't agree with it. But I'll, yeah. so I'll use this as an example. So I, and, <laughs> and I used this, I think, a few weeks ago. If I look at what essentially propelled me further into this work, into this inquiry, it was my relationship with Prescott. Now, what got me into that relationship with him was purely my ego because I saw this hot guy. And so it was my ego that got me there. And then later when everything kind of went, you know, off the rails, that's what got me like literally on my knees doing this work. So, I mean, I'll see on one level, I was definitely divinely led into that situation, but what put me in like, you know, feet first was purely my ego. Yeah. But, but Colin Tippings would say that on a spiritual level, like, you know, that there's some sort of soul contract there for healing that needs to happen. I agree. So, so your ego is but, activated, but your ego, and, and this I think is, I, I mean, I guess I should reread it because I'm not 100%, like Kelly said, in agreement with it. And I think it's important to develop this distinction. I mean, of course, sit with it and really let it resonate, but I think it's, that it's that's almost a trick to really feel as though the ego is lovingly guiding us anywhere, guiding us anywhere with our best intention in mind. The intention you don't, of the ego is always separation, body identification, separation, separation. That's what the. But I kind of. Go ahead. I kind of see it though as like almost like training wheels, of where if that's what eventually gets me on a deeper level of thought. Then maybe that's determined. Get you, I think what eventually gets you on the deeper level of thought is your spiritual awareness saying enough. Right, but what I'm saying, though, I'm speaking hypothetically here, like as like someone else, of you know sometimes you have to use the terms that people readily know, or or are not comfortable with, but just. You know, it's almost like you baby step the child into the into the water versus like throwing them into the pool. So I think on some level, it's like it's it's just the word that I, I most readily know and can apply to a lot of things. Ego. Ultimately, I, I do know that it's a false thought yes, system. Yes, I, I I know, but as a teacher, Stephen, which is, this is a program designed to support you in becoming a teacher, you know, it's your responsibility to accurately relay information. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To the best of your ability, you're going to fuck up all the time. And this happens all the time to teachers. It happens to me weekly when you're like, okay, remember what I said last week? Um, throw that out. And this week, substitute this instead because I feel now 
I have a different perception. Right, and like a month from now, I may completely think that everything that I just said to you is complete and utter bullshit. But at this moment, that's where I am. But you're sharing it now, and I would say you're sharing it now so you can can develop this clarity of, you know, I'm going to really invite you this week to contemplate this because I feel like this is a very important distinction because ego is another one of those hot words, you know, those buzzwords that people use, but they often use it incorrectly. The ego is a thought system that was developed from the belief, from the question, what if we were separate from God? You know, what if that could be possible? And the ego, that's where the ego has its origin, and that's where it was sort of birthed. Um, if it could be birthed, which it can't be, because separation from God is completely um, impossible, right? Right. So why don't we just go back and let's just do this for our sake of clarity since it's just us. Why don't we read the section, The Ego as a Loving Guide, okay? And let's all read it together. And then we can um, all, we can pause and we can talk about it and we can sort of um, get maybe even a little more clarity around it. How's that? Sure. All right. So, Stephen, why don't you start? Okay. <clears throat> uh, okay, the ego is a loving guide. This other friendlier way of looking at the ego, which I find equally tenable and to be truthful, more attractive, holds that far from being our enemy, the ego is a part of our soul that acts as our guide in the world of humanity. Its role is to provide opportunities in our lifetime that will fully test our ability to fulfill the mission we carefully planned before we incarnated the primary purpose of which was to experience a certain agreed-upon amount of separation. When we have reached the degree of separation we signed up for, the process of awakening can begin. That's when we are likely to find radical forgiveness. Go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead, Oh, sorry, I thought we were doing that. Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. By the way, I am certain in my own mind that simply by virtue of your having picked up this book and gotten this far into it without throwing it at the wall, you have arrived at the awakening point or are some distance beyond it. This doesn't mean that you are fully awake all the time. Very few people are. But that you are at least beginning to see what's real and remembering the truth. For a full and detailed explanation of this whole idea of our volunteering to experience the pain of separation and then when we have reached the amount we contracted to have beginning the awakening process, see my book, Getting to Heaven on a Harley. That's one thing that Colin Tipping does that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Is he yes. always has another book. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yes. Like if I, I felt like if I were watching him on TV saying this, like it would, uh-huh. you know, the book would just magically appear from under yeah. the desk or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only value in having the the human experience is precisely to live through such things as the ego provides. Belief in duality, separateness, pain and suffering, guilt and fear. Our ego gives us the opportunity to embody these feelings by creating experiences like abandonment, betrayal, abuse, rejection, divorce, physical illness, disability, and so on. Our ego then in this model is the guide that will take us on all these exciting journeys into separation, pain, and discomfort. 
It does so not out of malice or for the sake of its own survival, as many spiritual teachers maintain, but because it loves us and knows that we need these experiences for our spiritual growth. All right, we're going to just, um, we're just going to stop there. Um, listen, whatever works for you, I think is the like I said, that's just right now. Huh? And like I said, that's just at, in this moment. A week from now, could be something completely different. Well, what I'm trying to think is, one thing that I don't necessarily agree with, and again, this is my perception, is that the ego is part of our soul. I don't. Oh, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that's true. I don't either. I believe that the ego is a thought system. As a result of that thought system, there are experiences like divorce and abandonment and things like that. But I don't believe that it guides us to that. I think that it is like, think of it as like Super Mario Brothers. Did you ever play that, Super Mario Brothers? No. Video game? Okay, well... Okay, so, I mean, here's the deal. Um, I, I believe, okay, like those mystery books that we used to have as kids where you could reach a certain point and then it would say, if you want to go up to the haunted house, turn to page 76. If you want to go down the alley to the abandoned bookstore, right. turn to page 53. Right. So it feels yeah. as though, like, with that, there is a choice in every moment in every moment, that's why I'm saying mm-hmm. that's why I say that every thing, every breath is designed to support us in awakening to the truth of who we are. In every moment, every choice we choose, you choose love or you choose the ego. Each will right. have its different, uh, each choice will, will have a different sort of um, domino effect. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But it's just the choice, it's the thought system you choose to use. But I, I believe that our only guide, that there's only, that our subconscious mind, mind is our, you know, the, the experiences we have is only an outpicturing of our beliefs. But I don't think the ego is guiding us anywhere. Because I feel, for me personally, I like to believe that our greatest... Would you say that again? That, would you repeat right? that, the first part? The world we experience is only an outpicturing of our beliefs of our belief system. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a guide because then it's personalizing it. And, I mean, I, I get that saying, make friends with the ego. Like, like you, can, you can choose to make friends with the ego. That's fine to, like, give it sort of a um, more workable sort of essence. Right. So you're not so afraid of it. But the ego is only designed to create separation, period. Period, period, period. But... I don't think that the ego lovingly brought you Prescott so you can do that. I believe that you saw Prescott and you, you used the ego thought system. It was what was Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, well, then that's what I said. That's what I said. But, I, I do believe that but, on a soul but, level. It wasn't, but, but, yeah, it, but it was your higher consciousness that created that experience. Right. But it was the ego that created all the experiences that made it turn to shit. Yeah, it was just for me to deal with this stuff. Yeah, it was the he, ego, your belief in separation that right. dragged you down to so then, isn't that, so then at some point, at some level, isn't that, okay, you need to feel the separation so you can heal this shit? Well, I don't know if it's that you need to feel it so you can heal it. It's 
how does that feel? You know, I don't think the ego is like, you need to feel this, bitch. It's just the ego is like, yeah, okay, great. This is it. I think your higher self, your spiritual consciousness is like, okay, how does that feel? Is there another choice you'd like to make? <laughs> this doesn't feel loving. Stephen, does that feel loving? Stephen, inquiry, go into it, question it. Is there another way? Stephen, where the ego's like, you know what, bitch, order another drink. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. We're being really, 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 really fucking esoteric here, and it is so far beyond the point of this material. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, I love the Bill Thetford approach of just, if it's, if it's creating debate, tear the fucking page out of the book because you're missing the point. <laughs> the point is joyfulness. It's just, then you know to skip this chapter with the next group. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, um, I might. I actually might. <laughs> no, Glad to be re- no, rereading it because I feel like it might cause more confusion than anything else. You know what I mean? So I might um, because I love the introduction of the idea that everything supports us. Everything, every moment, there's the opportunity to heal, and that everything in our life. You know, every opportunity in our life, even if it was a seemingly missed opportunity, is still supporting us in healing. That there is no time and space that you can create, you know, through forgiveness, through radical, through the application of radical forgiveness, you can free yourself from anything that you're carrying around with you. You know what I mean? And that's why I feel like this is important information. But in rereading that now, I feel like I might have people skip it because I feel like it is. <laughs> Confusing. I mean, honestly, like, as soon as we're like, yes, but the ego is a loving guide. Eh, no. The ego, listen, the ego helps you function in this world because the ego has you identified as a body, right? So the ego tells you to go to the bathroom, to step up on the curb, to stop at the stop sign, to brush your hair, to put on clothes so you can function and fulfill your social contract in this human experience, you know? But at the end of it, as we continue to peel off the layers of separation, there will come a time when the body is not necessary anymore. You know, and we, when you look at the life that we've created, so much of it has been created around the idea of taking care of the body, making sure the body is fed, making sure the body is successful enough, that the body has nice enough clothes, that the body has some sort of clout uh, socially, and it's all body, 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 which we are not. And so that's uh-huh. why the Course of Miracles calls us insane. You know, it's like, um, it's as if like you had a doll and you made the doll your best friend and you dressed it and you took it everywhere with you and you made people talk to it and you made people, you know, acknowledge it and if they, didn't, they weren't nice to the doll, then you would get upset with them and call them rude, and how could you ever treat another person like that? They're like, it's a doll. But, you know, the philosophy, the mystic philosophy is, yeah, that's, that's, that's the level of insanity in which we've been operating in, believing that these bodies are real. These bodies have to be famous. These bodies have to be married. These bodies have to be thin. These bodies have to be all these things. But again, I'm not sure how that's serving us right now. <laughs> well, I think if you're not feeling yeah, happier, not, then we're not serving the point. If I could just say, I'll just say one final. I really was not trying to 
instigate this Mishagas. But I think, like I said, for me, it's a tool at this moment that's handy. And, you know, when we, who knows, when we read something else next quarter, that tool would just be completely abandoned. Um, but in this moment, in those instances, it's a handy little thing to have. That's fine and good and fine. It's you know, not like something it's, I'm attached to for life. If it's helping you be happier, that's fine. But as you're, the person that you've enrolled to guide you through this process, I'm going to really encourage you to get investigate that and get a totally. little, get real clarity around it. Oh yeah. Because, well, uh, I mean, I think I even said that that you know I don't I don't think that that's something that's going to be in the toolbox for life. It's just right now. Yeah. All right. After this conversation tomorrow, I may be like, oh, okay, I totally get what Jesse's saying. That's complete bullshit. Yeah, no, and listen, and I need you to know that I don't feel like it instigated anything. There was no instigation. I just am really committed to clarity here. Uh, and yeah. that the and as your teacher here, I, I take that, you know, I, I want to do my very best to support you in having the clarity that will support you in healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, without having to jump through a lot of the like have a lot of the experiences I had. Right. Because uh, I have them for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I get to share. Yeah. And that's how so, I receive it. That's how I receive yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, some nerve. I always right? receive it that way, Jesse. <laughs> always. It's just Kelly's ego. <laughs> Instigating. <laughs> He's the puppet master. Um. Okay, so radical forgiveness. Let's put radical forgiveness aside for a moment. Um, listen, so <clears throat> next week we're going to have our final exam, and what that is going to look like is um, whilst in class, uh, I will offer uh, a series of questions that people will write down. They're all essay questions. Not uh, meaning that you have to write long, crazy essays on them or anything like that. But you will write, type in your answer, and you will send it to me via email when you are complete, mm. and that will be the final exam. Mm. Okay. So while we're on the phone, that will happen. Um, and, uh, and I will ask the questions um, in class. Uh, and they will cover all the material that we've covered this quarter. So it will cover the radical forgiveness, It'll cover the Byron Katie, and it'll cover subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about Byron Katie. Let's, let's move the conversation to Byron Katie. Um, let's, why don't we go back to that lunch scenario? Until you're at lunch. Uh, and uh, why don't you just say, oh, my God, I just got finished reading this great book by Byron Katie, and let me tell you about it. And then once you guys talked about the Byron Katie information. I'll go first this time, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, what I really love about this is that it really makes you question what is, what's true. And even the stuff that you initially think is true, when you ask yourself, can you absolutely know that that's true? 
it really makes you say, wow, no. <laughs> well, I think it's great, too, that it gets through all the stories you have in your head. Mm. But then I think she even goes beyond that, like, oh, well, okay, you know, sometimes there is something that's true, and you're like, oh, yeah, that is true. And yet it takes, like, away the blame from the other person because, you know, two aspects of it is one, um, you know, that it's still, it's reality. So why fight against right. it? You know, if, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's there, it's there, you know, you're not going to change the world by being pissed off at it. Um, but then secondly, it's, you know, okay, well, you know, I've had this upset about this other person. And even if I'm totally, everything I'm saying about the person is totally true, it turns it to, well, what can I change about me? You know, right. what, what, what within me is, am I seeing in this? I think that's so right. helpful. Because I'm, you know, well, no, I ain't going to change my sister in Arizona. It ain't going to happen <laughs> that I know of as of right now. But I could change how I think about her, and I could change how I think yeah. about me. I think it's so great about the material she does. I know, and I also, and also the arguing with what is, uh, and I love the example of where she uses the, uh, if you lost your job, you've got two choices. You've lost your job. Now what? Or, Oh, I wish I hadn't lost my job. I shouldn't have lost my job. It, that's so like helpful. Like just during the day of like, okay, this is what's happening. <laughs> Not, oh, I wish that guy hadn't hit my bumper. Like, okay, hit my bumper. Now what? Well, yeah, and, and, you know, if you lose your job, you know, what do we do? We're like, oh, my gosh, you know. Right. All these stories about it, and it's like, well, number one, I don't know any of those stories to be true. But then, you know, that other aspect of, well, okay, if I become homeless, but I've done everything I can to avoid it, I've done my part. The fact that I'm homeless under the bridge at that point, then if I've done what I can, you know, that's God's business. Right. Oh, I love that part, too. The three businesses. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so great when you can just let that go, like, you know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, my my family's being all pissed off is their business. They can deal with it. Right. <laughs> right. It's so, like, liberating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just relieves you of so much responsibility you were carrying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so fun. I love what, like, she's like, you know, if you're in everybody else's business, who the heck's living your life? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you I up. love that line. Like, <laughs> I got a life going on here. That's pretty darn cool. Mm-hmm. Even when it's stuff that you think is helpful, <laughs> like, well, it's helping this person to worry about how much they smoke. No, you're still in their business. Yeah. Well, and, and worrying about them isn't helping them either. It's just exactly, you know, yeah. So you'd be like, and especially you know, I, I I think it was one of the videos. You know, if if they don't ask for my opinion, that's you know, I don't need to be <laughs> shoving myself in their business. They didn't want me there. You know, they were like, right. my, my business. I'm happy here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Kelly, uh, sum up the work. So I was like, tell me about Byron Katie's work. Uh, three sentences. Three sentences? 
Release your stories. Accept what is and work on you. Mm. Steven? Uh, I I mean, I, I loved what Kelly said. I don't think I could add anything to that. Okay, so the work of Byron Katie uh, it's a way of identifying and questioning the thoughts that cause uh, all of the anger, fear, depression, addiction, violence in the world. So it's a way of questioning. We call it inquiry. So it's just a way of questioning all of the thoughts you have about the world. Mm-hmm. She gives us wonderful tools that support us in the inquiry process. Including, like, whose business are you in? Which I think is such a wonderful, brilliant, beautiful little thing. (laughs) I love that so much. And asking ourselves, is it true? And then through the process of turning it around, we get to get clear as to what the real thought, the belief behind the upset really is. And it usually about... 99.9999% 99.9999% of the time has to do with who? Us. Yeah, exactly. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? I mean, imagine every time you did that when you were upset with someone. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I was telling Amina. I'm going to use an example from today from uh, my colleague that I was listening to his podcast. Well, for all intents and purposes, we'll call him Raymond. So I could say, Raymond is so full of himself. Oh, my God. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels true. Is it true? Yes or no? Yes. Can you absolutely know that that's true? <sighs> no. Okay. So... How do you act? How do you feel when you believe that's true? That thought's true. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I get irritated and upset. I close off. I'm really judgmental. I get uh, almost rageful. Well, who would you be without that? Well, I would be um, Jesse. I'd be me. I'd be me, and Raymond would be Raymond, and I'd be just fine with that. I'd be peaceful. Okay, let's turn it around. Okay, I am, uh, I am upset with Jesse because he's so full of himself. Oh, well, find three examples of how that's true. Well, obviously, I get to decide who uh, is what kind of teaching is good and what isn't. I get to decide, um, you know, who is uh, uh, qualified to be teaching and who isn't, and I also get to decide what. Uh, context and language is um, is actually helpful. Okay, great. So let's another turnaround. Um, I am not upset with uh, Raymond because he is so full of himself. Okay, what are three examples? Uh, three examples to know that's true to prove that right. Okay, well, um, 
he didn't actually do anything. Uh, I actually think he's a really nice guy. He's really sincere in his desire to, you know, um, develop a deeper practice and to share it with other people. And um, I know he's a really committed um, practitioner. Okay, great. They're like, okay, well, then what's really going on is, oh, it's just a thought that he shouldn't be full of himself. So what if he's full of himself? What if that's just what he does? Does that make him any less perfect than me? It's exactly as he is. It's only the thought that he shouldn't speak a certain way, use a certain like, language, whatever, 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 that's creating upset in me. Now, if I were able to release that, how would I feel? I'd feel fine. I'd feel good. I would just be doing whatever. Whose business is it that he's full of himself? It ain't my business. That's his business. Whose business is it that he uses words like cultural architect? Well, not mine. That's his business. Whose business is it that there is a phrase called cultural architect out there? Not mine, not his. Probably God. God, for some reason, in all of this knowing, decided that cultural architect was a good buzzword. Okay? You see how I'm just completely diffusing it. I'm com- through inquiry, through the process of that, I'm getting very clear that I was like, oh, okay, I just have a stick up my ass that I'm projecting onto him. But what's really going on there? What, all of a sudden, what teachers and people being interviewed shouldn't, <coughs> you know, seem cocky? Well, that's, okay, well, then let's pull the plug on that for just the beginning of time. You know what I mean? So how much have you enjoyed the Byron Katie work? What are your thoughts on the work in general? I found it to be just incredibly helpful. I like that whole process that you just did. Like, yeah, it's amazing how many times I, I catch myself doing that. Like, you know, when I told you the other week, when I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm old. And then it's like, is that true? Like, well, too old for what? Like, I'm not too old for this. So it just really breaks it down of, okay, what's really true? Big scheme of things. Uh huh. And the not minding God's business too. Yep. Kelly, what do you think? Byron yeah, yeah no, I like, oh, no, I liked it. I mean, it was, I mean, you and I have worked with this together before, so it wasn't new, but there was a few things I was able to work through this time that I hadn't for whatever reason before. Um, so it's good. I like it because, you know, you can pretty much work with anyone at any level on this, you know, even if they're not saying they're even on a spiritual path. You know, if they're like, well, I want to resolve this issue. And, you know, you could be like, well, 
you know, is that really, you know, is that really what's going on? And so I really, I love the simplicity of it and the universal application. I mean, you know, I mean, it could be everything from, you know, is it true that Raymond is, you know, annoying or whatever, to, you know, is it true that, you know, my daughter shouldn't have died? And to be able to take something that's so simple in the form and be able to really release so much pain from it is really great. Yeah, man. And Kelly, a question I'll pose to you um, as we continue to go down this journey. Um, How many truths are there? Um, <laughs> one. <laughs> yes, good. Yeah. So, when it comes to new material and stuff uh-huh. like that, don't expect to run into too much new material because how many ways <laughs> can we possibly be told the same damn thing? <laughs> over and over again. And that's why we explore the same teachings. We continue to go over this so we can get more insights to the one and only truth, you know? And so uh, I invite you to consider that as you go forward that, you know, you might be rereading some things, but it's stuff that you should reread and reread. I mean, Jacob always talks about how he's like, well, I'm rereading this for the 20th time. Right. And he goes, in every time, there's something else in there. Dang it. And uh, so with, with that said, like, you know, uh, there's, we've, I've read so much stuff and uh, I can remember about 1% of it, you know. Uh, and but the stuff that feels really clear and really helpful, those are stuff that we keep in our permanent library and we reread. You know, we revisit. And it's the same thing like Shan says. Uh, Shan is a friend of ours, Stephen, who's a, a very advanced uh, Buddhist practitioner. And each year she goes and takes a Buddhism 101 course. And each year whoever's instructing it is like, you're too advanced for this class. And she's like, no, no, no. This is where the wisdom is. I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. And each time she takes it, Guess what? She learned something new. There's something, there's another insight to have. So, um, I mean, I'm contemplating, uh, I mean, just like looking at this material again, I feel like the Brian Katie material is so good that I, my, my wish for everyone is that we master it. So we master this. And so that, that it becomes our, 
you know, that love, this inquiry is our knee-jerk response to anything, you know. Uh, down from, you know, it's that we have, like, I don't have enough money. Is that true? How do you know it's true? You know, oh, my God, that's never going to work. Is that true? How do you know that's true? So if we can develop the mastery, and I'm not there yet either, guys, so that's why I continue to teach this. And what, the stuff that I present is always stuff that I know that I would like to have more clarity on because it's our job to continue to revisit it because it's the stuff that uh, really works, that's the stuff we have to master. Those are the tools that we have to keep in the very front of our toolkit and keep them sharp and clean mm. and ready to use, you know. Um, and I think Byron is an example of one of those because I think that uh, using the work alone can support people in having, experiencing true freedom. True freedom. But this isn't a course just on Byron Katie's work. So uh, Byron may stay with us through another quarter because I would love for us all to be able to do uh, the work with one another and feel very confident and clear in guiding people through the inquiry process. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if we could incorporate that uh, process into, like, with real crystal clarity, so it's not just like we're reading it out of the book and regurgitating it, but we'd be able to incorporate the process, the inquiry process, the four question and turnaround into uh, counseling, spiritual counseling, that we would develop a really strong, uh, effective foundation. So just keeping that, 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 that edge of curiosity and willingness and, and also um, that knowing that there's always more to be discovered, even if it's something that we've read a million times. There's always something else in there if we're open and willing. Um, so, um, subconscious mind, power of our subconscious mind, subconscious mind. Um, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to lunch. <laughs> you guys have had a very productive lunch. So, uh, talk about subconscious mind. What are the major principles? What were your takeaways? What were your favorite, uh, aha moments with uh, power of your subconscious mind? And I'm trying to find stuff that I've like underlined and whatnot. <laughs> it feels so long ago since we. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm like I and I've read this before, so I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm like I know it's all about your thinking creates your experience, and then I'm like, mm-hmm, uh huh, <laughs> cop out, what a cop out. I you can about <laughs> anything we read. <laughs> Um, let's see I'm trying to find one thing that really kind of jumped out at me the most how about this let me ask you guys some questions so oh uh, well this sounds like an interesting topic um, hey guys does um, does your subconscious mind have a sense of humor no 
That one was a big one for me. What do you mean? Can you explain? Your subconscious mind doesn't know when you're joking if you say, uh, oh, I'm as fat as a house or I'm dirt poor. Your subconscious doesn't know that you're uh, being sarcastic or making a joke or using hyperbole. It takes it as fact and gives that back to you. So what, your subconscious mind is like creative? No. Yes. No? What's your gut, what did your gut say, Kelly? No, wait, stop. Kelly, what did your gut say? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. In the sense of, because it takes your, well, I mean, there was two thoughts. Is it, and Because I was like, yes, no, yes, no. And now it's like, well, subconscious mind, spirit could kind of be interchanged with a lot of that book. And so it's like, well, spirit's creative. So that's how I got to my yes. But, um, and I'm not sure. So, I mean, I mean, please jump in if I'm totally off. I'm just kind of trying to think through. Um, I think it's creative in the sense of, you know, it takes your thoughts, it takes your beliefs. And then it's like it creates the experience. Yes, Kelly, yes. Absolutely. Spot on. So good. It's like the projector. It's like the project. It's like your thoughts are the film that you put in the projector. And your subconscious mind projects your your beliefs onto the screen that we experience. It's impersonal. Mm. Your subconscious mm. mind is impersonal. So... No matter, it, it, it's just a yes machine. It is a yes machine. It's a yes machine. Now, Stephen, what is our consciousness? If you were going to give a one sentence definition of our consciousness, what is it? And I'm not asking Kelly because I told Kelly clearly this morning at breakfast. <laughs> Um, what is your consciousness? Your, your, is it like maybe your, your consciousness is your rational side, your subconscious is your irrational side? Our consciousness is the sum total of all our thoughts. Hmm. Our consciousness is the sum total of our thoughts. Our thoughts create our beliefs. Our beliefs create our experiences. Right? So, when we Mm -hmm. say we're shifting our consciousness, that means thought by thought, we are changing our mind. So that's why it's this gradual process of of, uh, changing our mind. Literally, that's what we're doing. When we have a thought that comes up and, and we now we have that emotional experience and this is where I feel like, okay, this is where we can develop a friendly relationship with the ego is, wow, that thought I thought was true, but now I'm inquiring. I'm feeling it doesn't make me feel good, so I'm going into inquiry, so I'm releasing it. And now I have a different thought. That's a change in your mind. That's a shift in consciousness. When you change your mind, you get a new thought. 
the sum total of our thoughts. So you can tell, see where your consciousness is, is by, well, what are the sum total of your thoughts? What would most of your thoughts be? You know, most of my thoughts are fearful. Most of my thoughts are angry. Most of my thoughts are whatever. So what are the experiences you're having in life? Well, mm. most of the time, I'm having experiences that piss me off. You know, I'm around idiots all the time. People are constantly taking advantage of me. Well, of course they are, because you believe that they're going to do it. You believe you deserve it. Sum total of all our thoughts. That's our consciousness. The sum total of our thoughts. That's our consciousness. You're going to get a really clear, easy guide on that. The first book we're going to read next quarter is the spiritual, uh, it's called Spiritual Economics. I think it's a really good, clear description of that and an easy way to play with it. It's not esoteric. It's very digestible, tangible uh, a book. So, um, some total of our thoughts. So, but now we're learning how to work with changing our consciousness. The, the subconscious mind, the power of the subconscious mind, it's all about how do you change your consciousness, one thought at a time. Your thoughts indicate your beliefs, okay? And so if we want new experiences, our beliefs create, create our experiences. So we want new experiences. We've got to change, uh, change our beliefs. How do we do that? By changing our thoughts. Change your mind, change your life. That's why we say change your mind about your life and change your mind, change your life. Not go out and change everything in your world because you're going to have the same experiences again because you didn't do any of the work. You didn't have, you're not working at the level of cause. You're working in the effect. I love the analogy that he offers with that the subconscious mind are the guys in the bottom of the ship putting coal into the furnace, coal into the furnace. You know, the captain is up there. That's your conscious mind. And your captain's telling the ship where to go. The guys in the bottom are just going to put the coal in the furnace and steer the ship wherever it goes, wherever the captain says. It's never going to say, Captain, there's an iceberg ahead. You're you're headed right for it. It will never say that. It's not its job. Its job is to put coal into the fire, coal into the fire. The captain will steer it. So the captain, your conscious mind, it's, so your subconscious mind will never say, Stephen, no, that's unloving. Don't you know what will unfold if you believe that? Stephen, really? You really believe there's not enough money in the world? Stephen, you really believe that Republicans are evil? Stephen, you really believe that, you know, the government's broken? Stephen, you really believe that, you know, there aren't any good guys in Carlson? Okay, well, I'm going to steer you into that experience. It's, not, it's never going to tell you that. It's just going to be like, all right, yes, yes. Government's evil? Yes. Let's create the experience for that for you. No good guys in Charleston? Mm. Yes, you're right. Let's create that experience. <laughs> Republicans are, are close-minded and racist? Yes. Let's create that experience. Our world is an outpicturing of our consciousness. <laughs> okay? That is why everything is designed to support us in remembering the truth of who we are. If you want to know what your thoughts and your belief system is, look at your life. That's your belief system. That's your consciousness. 
Jacob gave a really good, clear story, and I think it's really a clear example of how this works. And he said his friend who was a writer, and she would sell a script a year. Uh, And uh, a script a year, that's a big deal. And with that money, she would travel the world. She was a homeowner. It was great. Well, she moved in with two friends who were like executive people, like, um, you know, Hollywood types. And one of them told her, well, you know, uh, well, the thing is, though, she would sell a script a year, but never got produced. It didn't matter. She'd still sell the script. They never got produced, but she would sell the script, and uh, she made lots of money doing it. And so she moves in with these new guys, and then one of the guys tells her, well, you know, they're not buying anything from anyone who hasn't had something produced now. And then suddenly she goes on a two-, three-year dry spell of not selling anything. So she's at, you know, lunch with Jacob, thank God. We'll say her sole guys are there. And she goes, well, you know, they're not buying anything from people who haven't produced anything right now. And Jacob just looks at her and he goes, you know that's a belief, right? You know that's just a story you're telling yourself. That's just a story. How could you possibly know that's true? And so she realized that. She let it go. And what do you think happened shortly thereafter? Sold a fucking script. <laughs> so the belief was, the thought was, they're not buying anything from people who haven't had something produced. So the captain yelled down to the guys in the boiler room. Okay, steer the ship towards uh, nobody's buying anything from people who haven't had anything produced. And they're like, yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. It's not saying like, honey, are you sure? You sure you want to go there? Because you've had a good run. You sell, you sell a script once a year. And you make lots of money doing that. Even though nothing's ever been produced. You've ever had a problem before. But now suddenly it's changed. Are you sure? All right. Well, it's not going to say that. It just says, yes, you're right. Okay, yes. That will be your experience now. That's the power of the subconscious mind. Like Ernest Holmes said, if there's one thing I would ask of you is to believe that this is true. Believe it, because our beliefs create our experiences. So if we believe that our greatest good is always unfolding, then what are we going to experience? Yeah, our greatest good. Yeah, then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, everything is working for us. And radical forgiveness, radical forgiveness is a great tool to support us in that. Sorry. Sorry, I was dropped off there for a second. Um anyway, so um 
what else was I going to say? Yeah, so uh, that's why it behooves us all to change our mind, get clear. What are you interested in experiencing? That's why we're always talking about it. Our job as practitioners is always never to get into anybody's story. It's only to ask them, what are you interested in experiencing? What do you want? Never to be like, oh, no, tell me more about that. I mean, and that's a real skill we have to learn is not to do that because we always want the dirt. The dirt, the dirt is fun, but we're not supporting them in healing and releasing and experiencing new uh, and having a new experience when we energize that. It's so let's help them release the story. So, any other thoughts about the power of subconscious mind? I mean, it's saying this, you know. Power of the subconscious mind really suggests that everything is mine. You know, it really does. So your body is an outpicturing of your thoughts, your beliefs, your experiences, your money, your health, your wealth, your relationships. Everything is an outpicturing of your belief systems. That's why yeah. we really, I really thought it was important to learn this material. So, overall, um, this quarter, the material covered, do you have any questions? Do you have anything you'd like more clarity on? Any, any uh, thoughts, insights that you'd like to share? Kelly, you have no thoughts? I'm... Not at this point, no. <laughs> Kelly Halleck, you have no thoughts? I have thoughts, just none that I want to share at the moment because I'm getting tired. So. <laughs> oh, so so they're mean thoughts. <laughs> no, they're not thoughts relevant to class at the moment. <laughs> um, Steven, anything else? No. Do you feel okay? Do you feel... Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you feel so, involved? are we doing more Byron Katie stuff going forward? Like other, like her other we, stuff, or we, just sticking with this? Well, her all of her other stuff is just this regurgitated. So, okay. uh, if we were going to do more stuff, uh, I, I think that if we were going to do more Byron Katie, it will just be the practical stuff. So, it'll be actually having you guys practicing doing the work on one another. Oh, good. Okay. If that makes sense, yeah. Yes. Okay, so this week, uh, uh, the invitation is to review all your materials. Spend time with it. Review the Byron Katie questions. Get clear as to what the four questions are. Get clear as to what turnaround is. Get clear as to the business thing. Get clear as to what she thinks God is. Review the power of your subconscious mind. You know, review radical forgiveness and um, sit with it. And uh, there'll be just a couple questions. Don't worry, the final exam is not going to be challenged hard. You know, it's just going to be an opportunity for you to clearly share some of your thoughts and some of the stuff that we've learned this um, quarter. Is there a time limit on that, Jesse? 
as far as like getting it back to you? Um, I'm gonna we're gonna try to have it completed in class. Oh, I thought okay, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were giving while us the question. The, while, while on the call, I will be offering. Yeah. I might just do uh, a question at a time, and then give everybody a set amount of time to write it. Oh, okay. I thought you said we were sending it, emailing it to you. I totally you misunderstood. At, at the at the end, at the end of class, you'll be emailing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Right. It does cool. now, yeah. Thank you. All right, cool. Um, cool. All right, guys. Well, listen, um, I love you very much. Stephen, why don't you um, pray us out? Okay. All right, well, I will take Kelly's hand. I'll take Jesse's hand. I'll take Stephen's. <laughs> Let's take a big breath in and a longer breath out. And just give gratitude for having this time together. Uh, from various spots around and just giving great thanks for the the technology that lets us all bond together and offering up any limiting thoughts of of not being enough or being too much of something and just standing in the perfection of being at one with everyone and being at one with spirit, with source, and accepting those gifts of source joyfully and then sharing those with the world. And so it is. And so it is. Amen, amen. Amen. Sweet loves, Um, you're so great, and I'm just so honored to be on this uh, journey with you. And... um, Sweet, sweet dreams, and I will talk to you very soon. Good night, guys. Bye. Bye.